Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. Tohoko. And this is Melody. Welcome to the Tri-Tac Games Podcast, your podcast of interdimensional exploration, supernatural elimination, and all kinds of amazing adventures over the hardwired hinterlands. Plus, coming up, elf wins and other things. This week, we're going to have another special look into the special PC races of Fringeworthy. Uh, this week, we're speaking of the Blizzniz. Richard, why don't you tell us where you came up with the idea for the Blizzniz? Don't stare at me, Blakely. Tell them. <laughs> well, <laughs> it wasn't footfall, was it, Richard? No, not even close. Okay. No, you had a really bad cold that day. Well, other than the very bad cold that day, and trying to come up with something a little different, something that was kind of fun, that the players would have a little bit of, oh, let me think of a good word for this, something to bollocks them up well. So you w- wanted to create a PC race that would be troublesome to the teams? A PC race that, all in all, was really non-technological to the extreme, but basically very intelligent. Okay. Hmm. Moderately manipulative, actually the masters of their savannah world. Okay. When I read this, Richard, it seems like these guys are like little sheep in the woods. Now, are you saying they're actually wolves in sheep's clothing? Their little eyes got a little bit more intelligence behind them than it seems? That they have an agenda? Absolutely they have an agenda. They're curious. They want to get out. They want to explore things. How would you like to be 50,000 years in a savanna throwing rocks at predators? I don't think I'd want to do it for 50,000 years personally. Humanity did for a while, you know. We yeah. Did. <laughs> I, we did too. They have prehensile nose, Richard. Prehensile trunk. Yeah, so I'm sorry, a prehensile trunk. Why weren't they better tool users? Fine, but if you only had one. Even if the trunk ended in fingers or finger-like protuberances, you still only got one. Really, to do a lot of work like you want to nap flint, you need two. You need two hands. Why do you need to nap flint when you can pick up a rock and brain something with it? Yeah. And as far as building shelters, they're tough little things. Of course they can build shelters, they can weave walls, but it's still very difficult for them. How do they compare to the predators on their world? Are they the largest creature on their world? Oh, no. About a quarter of the size of the largest predator. Okay. However, they're very good with rocks. They have ranged weapons. Okay. So, according to this, IDET found them and... And they glommed onto the IDET explorers, and the IDET explorers really liked them. It says, as the IDET filmed these odd and friendly creatures, the Blizzness approached and presented the explorers with gifts. What were the gifts, Richard? Did you actually have specific gifts that they gave? Turnips. Turnips. <laughs> okay. So... This wasn't an impromptu thing. They had been seeing them for a while and then decided to make this appearance? Because the humans didn't hurt them. Is it safe to say that Blizzness, their portal was closed before the humans arrived? Their portal was open. Oh, was it? But they had never wandered through it? No. Because it says that they're all universally fringe-worthy. You figure right. somebody might have gone through it in 50,000 years. I mean, I would think somebody would have been curious enough to say, hey, what's that weird light? And then just right there on the platform. The rainbow surrounding the warp. Where exactly on their world? Is it just sitting somewhere on the savanna? Is that it? Sitting right in the middle of the savanna. Okay. So they must at some point have gone through the warp and gone onto the fringe paths and then just said, I don't like what I see, and turn around and come back. There's nothing to eat. Nothing to eat there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They'd have to bring their own water, they had to bring their own food, and 
They don't look like they've uh, managed the ability to create backpack. They're obviously they're very curious, as Richard said, but they're not brave. So maybe their fear, they get out there, they're looking around, and they're thinking, hey, this is not really that cool. And while it's very interesting, it's also very scary. And they went back in, maybe. Maybe all of the other gates on their particular platform, which were false, were really inhospitable. Right, right. So they got the idea that these were gates to hell or something. All, all the gates were closed, and they didn't feel like walking 50 miles <laughs> to the next place. That would be a deterrent. Yeah. Okay, we're going to need Alien Psychology 101 here. <laughs> I would say let the individual DMs figure it out, but some people don't like to. You made them. Why wouldn't they go into other gates? We don't know if any actually did. Why wouldn't any come back? That may be a problem. They never came back. In 50,000 years, it would have happened more than once, though. The gate may have been there for... 2,000 years, there's only been 2,000 years that they've had, had you know, had excess. How old are the gates, Richard? Depending on the gates, the gates have been there for anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20,000 years. So, a minimum of 10. Yeah. Probably a minimum of 10. Well, Richard, also, are they religious? It says they have rich essays and a long oral history. It could be just as simple as ritualistically taboo or there's you know for some religious reason they've decided not to go until these people showed up and then they they're like hey well that's that's new that would work they actually had a a prophecy or something there you go yeah and when the friendly humans came in they fulfilled the prophecy so now they're allowed to travel again i like it okay we see that they're modeled after elephants Though their ears look a lot like dogs. If you ever look at the proto-elephant, the ears are about right. The early proto-elephants had that kind of ear. It just, as they got bigger and bigger, the ears got bigger and bigger for cooling. Yeah, because it says the blizznes are only about five feet high and six feet long. I mean, obviously an elephant is much, much larger. I mean, these might be at the most the size of baby elephants. Hey, can you armor them? Um, interesting thought. Kevlar armor? Yeah, like uh, barding on a horse. Just make it fit for the business, because obviously they're sure. a little bit bigger than a horse. Yeah. Yeah. Just... Except they're not incredibly brave. Otherwise, they could be explorers into the dangerous areas. Yeah, well, the business would be sitting there going, you're going to put me in armor? That means you're intending me to get shot. I don't want to <laughs> get shot. And the slug is there like, yeah, you're a smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> factor that led the creation of the Blizzness many, many, many years ago. One of the original members of TriTac, David Stein. Oh yeah, I know him. Yeah. You know Dave Stein? Yeah, I do. Uh, Dave and his mom were at a zoo at a fundraiser and out of a clear blue sky, something came up and wrapped around his mother and absolutely adored her. And it turns out it was about six feet high. It was a baby elephant. Oh, okay. Might be Okay. And absolutely, it was about the cutest thing on this planet. Having one of these things just decide you were absolutely wonderful and she was going to be followed all the way across the zoo. Oh, jeez. And it was great. It was uh, just a a happy thing. Mm -hmm. Elephant smile. The alternate where the Blizzness are is also the location where they have three portals for purple weed. Which is nasty. Which is really nasty. It's also a location for a Jurassic beach, which also has a whole lot of flyers on it. It's rife with dinosaurs and is classified as mildly hazardous. Though I suspect for Blizzness it might be a little bit more because they don't have the protection of riding around in armored vehicles. And they look yummy. Hey, there's your answer. The Blizzness <laughs> went away, got addicted to purple weed, so it was interdicted. Right. <laughs> They went out and they became stoners. <laughs> wow. Man, past the blue weed, purple weed, man. <laughs> and when they came back, the purple weed started spreading and the blizzness had to rip it all out by hand and destroy it. And they're like, we can't let this stuff ever come back through the portal again. Well, rip it out by trunk. Of yeah. course, that's what I mean. <laughs> and you can't forget that uh, during the Jurassic, there were plesiosaurs that were feeding on things the size of blue whales. They found some new ones. 
So the Blizzness found the Fringe Pass to be unfriendly and came back home. And said, that was enough of that. Let's throw rocks at predators. I'm assuming they had a change of heart once these humans show up. Humans will load them in a trimwith. They love that kind of thing. Okay. The prohibition was from walking on the Fringe Pass. Not driving. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that motorized transportation would revolutionize their culture? I have a question about their cowardliness. Just how cowardly are they? They're not horribly. They're not quite slurks. Okay. But they just don't want to deal with things that are angry, dangerous, have a lot of teeth, much like slurks. At melee range, right? At melee range. Well, it also says that when it, under abhor violence, it says nauseating. So when you see violence, you end up throwing up a couple bales of hay. <laughs> Our cats were bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, for Savage Worlds purposes, when we're putting these guys together, there's two levels of cowardly, John, right? Well, no, not cowardly, but pacifists. Pacifists, okay. The major version of pacifists, they are basically incapable of attacking people. You Go can ahead. always say that you've got somebody who's an exception. I mean, hobbits were supposed to be all homebodies who never went anywhere, but three went off adventuring. Five. Well, isn't that something that the player can do? They can buy off that hindrance? Or can they? I don't think they can, actually. Well, it says here that some young Blizzness decide to join up with Ident. Yeah. I think it's a case of where they're still frisky enough to do dangerous, crazy things because they haven't seen enough predators kill enough people that they just don't believe that there's any other light but to stand in a big circle and throw rocks. I'm trying to think of it from the player standpoint who's making up the character. And they're trying to pick Blizzness. And, of course, you know, if we have them as pacifist major, they have to go with that, which means their character cannot fight at all. They will protect friends. If you're in trouble and they can do something, they will throw a rock. I would say that would be minor then. Minor. Yeah, yeah. be a minor pacifist then. Right. Okay, I just want to clear that up because, I mean, that, that's kind of important. When you say rock, Richard, could that also be grenade? Uh, that could be grenade. Could be <laughs> tennis ball. Snoopy. Anything. Yeah. Throw slarks at him? <laughs> yes! A demo pack would be heavy for a blizzness? problem is throwing it. Yeah. The effective range would kill the blizzness. Well, that depends on the game system, Richard. For throwing, if you look at a blizzness, they only throw sideways. They really can't throw forward that easily. It's, it'd be easier for them to throw sideways. Oh, an ad ladle. It takes two hands to load the thing, though. Yeah. But, John, throwing sideways is how you throw a hammer in the Olympics. That's true. Oh, how, bolas. They're herd animals, so you could have one that loads the atlatl and one that throws it. Yeah. I just wonder if you'd, like, illuminate a little bit more here, Richard, because when we look at these personality views that you have on page 28, they come off as being kind of dull, and a lot of stuff says not translatable, so... That means they don't have no sense of wealth. They have no sense of honor. Humanity is just funny-looking business, as in they uh, they accept humanity. And red tape is pretty. I, I understand that from their culture, but, I mean, does that mean they're in incapable? Because you say they're very philosophical. It seems like once they came to Earth, they would be exposed to some radical changes in, of view and philosophy. And I want to know where they would go from there. Cable TV would be an eye-opening experience for them. Cable TV would indeed be an eye-opening experience. <laughs> spray paint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think their overall reaction as a culture would be once they were introduced to things like humanity, to our cultures on our worlds, or any of the IDA partners like the Golden Horde or uh, Pax Romana? What's their reaction to these people? And does that make any changes to their viewpoint back on home? Probably not good to the Pax Romana. I mean, they'd, they'd probably want to put them in an arena and uh, parade them around. The same with the Mongols. The Mongols would eat them. Nice. They would probably not like those cultures, but what about ours? What about Earth and its varied cultures? Depends on how far you're going to dunk them into the culture. There, there are good parts of the culture, and there are parts of the culture that sometimes are best left alone. I'm a PC, and I decide I want to play a Blizzness. And I have all the baggage that comes with being a Blizzness. But then once I come to Earth 
and started getting exposed to all these different things, either through television screens or through people talking to me or just conversations, and especially since I'm a young business and all my particular points of view haven't been totally formed, I would think there would be a transformative process that would occur at this point. They wouldn't. Uh, I'm saying, how far do you think they would deviate from this personality and views that you have listed here? That's for the GM to decide. Isn't it the player's decision, Richard? Or the player. See how far you know things go. Yeah. I mean, if I they're mean, new, they're going to be pretty well stuck with their own culture. But if they've been out for a while, they may be pretty well adapted into you know human culture. You know, Saturday night, a slarg, Ed Powers, and a Blizzard go to a bar. Yep, I already see the beginning of a joke, yeah. <laughs> How much is enculturation? Is this rejection of violence more cultural than it is innate? So blizzards raised on Earth will not be the same kind of blizzards that live on Zarabachi. Not be the same at all. Yeah. If you're from New York City, it's culture, you end up becoming an American that's actually Japanese. So. Yeah. Looking at that kind of problem, if it is a problem. Now, this psionic power that they have, this is only one way, right? Explain the psionic power. The near psionic calming effect. This is only one way. They they're not actually sensing anything in other people. They're just pushing this out to make other people more friendly, right? Yes, but they push it out very hard. Yeah, I, I got that feeling. Yeah, I got that that impression. That yeah. must have been really awful when they came back addicted to purple weed. Oh, yeah. Oh, my oh. God. Hey, man, just mellow out. <laughs> but it also makes you think that individual blizzards are, are, you know, the calming field's okay, but really, it's a herd thing. If you got a herd of blizzards, say, 20 or 30, and you're standing in the middle of them, you're standing there going, wow, man, I'm happy. I'm really blissful right now. However, they also can be very, very useful to medical personnel. Yeah. If you have somebody who's upset or injured, the business in the general area can really help. There you have your answer to why they never developed technology. I have a picture of a blizzness in a nurse's outfit, patting a sponge on the, on the surgeon's head as he's busy working on somebody. If I'm playing a blizzness as a character, I know, of course, every player is going to be different and they're going to have their own take on things, but just in very general terms, What's my motivation? When a blizzard joins a party, he's being curious. What kind of stuff can you see him getting into? See the universe and take the stories home. He's probably going to be a bard of sorts. Okay. Can they sing? Well. <laughs> <laughs> they sing like this. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. <laughs> I was dreading that. <laughs> are they like elephants in that a lot of what they actually are saying is subsonic? It's something we never explored. We, nobody knew that elephants were subsonic. But elephants got big ears, too, so and the blizzards really don't have that big of ears, so they may not be subsonic. We know that they have a base. Yeah. They may have some overtones, but you know, we're able to understand them because they're still in the, the base range. All right, so what does Idet think of the Blizzniz? Well, we actually do say Idet Explorers first winced at the thought of working with the Blizzniz. Yeah, I know, but I mean, once they start working with them and stuff, I mean, what is Idet High Command or whatever, two guys are talking and one guy says the other guy. So what do you think of these Blizzniz guys? Well, I would think that because of this calming effect that they have, they would be like, oh, we got to get them into the diplomatic corps and we could use them. They have a knack for healing. Well, let's see, medicine for them would be the holistic medicine, herbs, making poultices, and whatnot. They would probably also be on contact teams. You'd always want to pair one of them up with a Demixie. You know, <laughs> Demixie comes up and like, oh, my God! And like, oh, no, no, it's cool, it's cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, like good cop, bad cop kind of thing? Yeah. It's more like taking an upper and a downer at the same time. <laughs> hey, hey, Trav. Trav, it's more like good cop, horrifyingly scary cop. <laughs> so this is Idet's version of Master Blaster. Right. <laughs> you see the, the mixie on top of the blizzard. <laughs> but 
they're almost the same size, aren't they? <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. That would be pretty scary. Right. That's Jay's line. That's when I stopped drinking. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that when they first saw the Blizzness, because they were so primitive, since they're equivalent of Bronze Age, they probably saw them as being great pack animals because they're smart enough not to eat food that's going to hurt them. At the same time, then you'd have people say, oh, no, but you have to give them their dignity. Or, my God, it's an elephant that fell in a trash masher. <laughs> Bruce, you brought a good point there. We do list them as Bronze Age. That means they, they actually do have more than just rocks. Yeah, that means they learned how to smelt metal at one point. Or to find copper and do something with copper. Copper. Tin. Doesn't turn into bronze by itself. Copper and tin melted together would make the alloy. You just can't beat them together. You have to melt them. So that implies a certain, a certain level of technology. They had to have fire. To me, it sounds like when they were first contacted, there's one very, very tired and very you know busy old miller working there trying to teach him how to make, build and make fire. I imagine this would be one of those worlds where because it's so, it would be so hard for them to make fire with only a trunk that they would probably have a, a, a great religious significance of fire and they would have the home fire that would always be kept going from uh, as an almost dire religious experience. Fires on savannas are a very bad idea. So they would both worship and fear lightning. Oh yeah, because when a lightning strikes and savannah gets going, that's all dry gl- grass, man. It just, boom, goes up like that. So, Richard, why did you decide to have them lisp, substitute a T for the S sound? Because it's cute. But their name's Blizzniz. When they call themselves the Blitnit. What's up? You had a cold the first day you brought them up, so that's what you talk like. Yes, I had a cold. My nose was plugged. I was trying to do a Blizzniz voice, and it just worked that way. Oh, so I am doing it right. <laughs> Oh, I am doing it right. It said as far as the Blizzness and how Idet felt about them, in time a few admitted they actually liked them, and in return the Blizzness admired humanity's dedication to peace. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, that's all the interaction that they would have, like on a practical level. Like they would see stories of all the other stuff, but they, the, the the ones that they knew, the people that they knew, would all be idet people. Who, for the most part, that's true. Well, if you stay away from young male literature, most of our literature is about people trying to achieve things peacefully or come to some kind of agreement amongst groups. It's only the young male literature where we're trying to blow everything to bits. That's the best kind. No video games for them. Now, wait a second. There's Farmville and there's Honey and Clover. There's a bunch of video games that are very cooperative. Yeah. yeah. I do think we'll have to keep them away from Mario, though. (laughs) I was going to say, you know, it's like, I was playing a game called Grand Theft Auto and it's scary. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Grand Theft Auto did the worst thing to play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we just want to keep him away from Deadwood. That's all, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Let's look at the personality of the views. Okay, Eunice, it says difficult to comprehend. Apparently, they don't have that big of a culture. Well, yeah, apparently with all their culture, bureaucracy would be beyond them. I don't understand why the UNISS is difficult to comprehend. That should be the simplest one. We're out there exploring, trying to bring things that will help Earth back to Earth. No, that's IDET that they would understand. Eunice and all the bureaucratic BS and all the paperwork and all that. and Oh, you've got this, this group that you have to talk to in order to do it? Why don't you just do it like you, got, like you IDET guys do? Well, we have bureaucracy, we have paperwork, we got to fill out, and the blizzness would just be like, paperwork? What are you talking about? What is that? Red tape. Oh, that's pretty. <laughs> What do you mean you got to pull things out in triplicate? You know, that's what they wouldn't understand. Why do you have to go through all that to do something? Just go and do it. I could see why they'd be confused with Eunice, but get IDET and call them the Explorer Herd. Yeah. Matter of fact, Explorer Herd right there, that proves that the Blizzness 
saw the IDET members as kindred spirits and accepted them into their, their family, almost like adopted them. That's very, very good. I love that word, explorer herd. Yeah. yeah. And then family, they just call the extended herd, which, okay, work, finding food. Well, yeah. Uh, playing, talking, and thinking. Yeah, very philosophical. For them, wordplay, that's what makes them the good diplomats and why it says available skills, uh, psychology. Now, I will take you to task, Richard, for the next three. It's always translatable. It's whether or not it's translatable in ten words or less. What are their concepts of wealth, justice, and honor? I mean, they, they really can't be non-translatable. They got, there has to be some way to express what they feel about those three subjects. I would say that wealth for them is probably contentment and happiness among themselves and their family. Food and security. Yeah, right. The things, creature comforts for them is wealth. If you were to give them gold, they'd be looking going, what a nice tiny rock. That's it. Oh, look, a nice looking weapon. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to smelt. I smelt it already, but it didn't have much of a smell to it. Well, no, I wouldn't say melt because that's that that word. It'd be it'd be I need they to melt it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's gonna be difficult. Right? You kids just can't say to melt doesn't come out right. So you're talking about something else. <laughs> I to melt it. You know what the good thing about podcasting <laughs> is? Nobody out there can see me face palming right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, justice and honor. I would think that a race of empaths that can influence each other to be nice, justice. Uh, I, I mean, for granted. What was that? You don't no, need a word for it. It's just the way things are. Yeah, and honor. I mean, they're all going to be nice to each other, so it's not like they, you know, they're not going to be dishonorable. So you don't think they would? Any of the young would be ever selfish? That, that none of the young uh, blizzards would want like an extra banana over the others or find a, a, a really fancy rock that he was keeping to himself. They'd have to learn that. They'd have to learn that. And that thing, I think because they grow up within these, th this calming field probably affects the blizzards as well. But, but you make it seem like they couldn't lie. I don't see that. It's not a truth-telling field. It just... No, no, happier. Yeah, and that's what I mean. The, the kids are growing up inside this big, happy community, and it's probably communal. I don't think I've ever heard of a blizzard lying. They have really low bluff scores, yeah. They wouldn't learn all of that stuff until they start getting around non blizzness i.e. debt, and finding out that, oh, my God, there are people out there that actually lie and cheat and steal? What is this? You know, and just, they'd be, like, <laughs> horrified. I, I, I'm going there, too, yeah. Uh, they would be horrified that they see the, these acts happening, and the younger ones who are going on the fringe paths would unfortunately bring these concepts talking to them back. And some of these blizzards might even use it because they see, well, it worked for him. And, of course, the older blizzards would be just horrified at this. It's like, what are you learning out there? First kid comes back and cons a bunch of blizzards into blizzling that isn't true, yeah, it's going to, you know, it's going to be a major culture shift. And they may actually turn around and say, that's it. Nope. Sorry. No more. No more. No more. No one, no one else is going to have to be figure out what to do with this. Uh, bring me all your pretty yellow rocks and I'll give you this bag of magic beans. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a very good recommendation for you. Find uh -huh. a movie that just came out recently called The Inventing. Very unusual, sort of a science fiction film. Uh, well worth seeing entire society that can't lie. Nobody lies. And what happens when one man discovers he can? Oh, isn't that the one with the guy from um, The Office, the British office? Gervais? Yeah, Gervais. R Ricky Gervais. Right, I remember seeing that movie. I didn't think it was called that, but yeah, where the oh, one guy learns to lie and nobody else can lie. It's the guy from the John Stewart show. Yeah. On the Daily Show. Yeah, you Ricky Gervais. He's also in the British version of The Office. And he tells people there's a great invisible man in the sky who decides who lives and who dies. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, but just think of uh, the first listeners who come back can be a stand-up comedian. 
<laughs> I can't see them not being able to lie because even even dogs and cats lie. Yeah. Believe me, they lie. Yeah, but but not lie on the level that that humans do because we here we have a society that's I would say fairly communal. It's just little white lies or aggrandizement. Right, embellishment. With the calming effect that's going on, they wouldn't feel the need to lie so much. You know, if they did something, they made a mistake or whatever, they wouldn't feel inclined to lie about it because the repercussion, you know, wouldn't really be there because everybody's calming each other down. I broke that pretty rocky yours. Oh, that's all right, man. I'll get another one. For D20 parlance, you got this plus 10 to diplomacy. Okay, fine. You just feel more inclined when they ask you, hey, did you break that rock? Yeah, I did. I'm sorry, man. Wow. You know, great. Now the blizzards sound like Tommy Chong. Right. Hey, man, you broke my rock. Hey, man, you broke my rock. <laughs> now the blizzards are stoners, man. You, you really like this idea. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, so, like I said, they're great. Then Now they sound like Tommy Chong, yeah. They don't even need the purple weed. They're already there. If you get more than 10 in the group, they're just going to be, you know, blissing each other out with their calming effect. You know? <laughs> well, they usually leave in twos. Yeah. I'm getting a contact high, man. Although, you know, I would imagine that they wouldn't affect each other. Why not? Why not? Do they? Natural I, immunity. Just after 50,000 years, <laughs> you just build up an immunity. It's like taking small bits of curare. After a while, you build up an, a, a tolerance to it. Well, based on everything right, right. that you guys have just said, that wouldn't make sense. You're all, you just right now said all this – the calming effect would drive them to be honest. It would drive them uh, to uh, not fear being exposed because everyone yeah, would accept yeah. them. So I don't think you can have your cake and eat it too. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just pontificating. I don't know that it, they wouldn't be immune to it or that they would. I can see it either way, but, you know, of course, you'd have to make that decision. Um, it's probably that they, they do affect each other. Cooperation within the yeah. herd. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If they're herd animals, yeah, they're going to be together for survival. And if they're all calming each other down and making each other more easy to interact with each other, if they're all on the same page... They're going to make a powerful herd mentality. They're going to get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we got to move the herd over to this watering hole. Okay. Shh, shh. Oh, we got to defend it. You get a bunch of five foot tall elephants all throwing rocks in concert with each other, you know, picking up rocks and just in waves. Not much is going to survive if it stays there. If yeah. these guys are all intent on defending the herd, which is the most important thing to them, yeah, they're going to make sure that they're all in the same boat and throwing those rocks at whatever is coming Hey, that would them. be interesting. If huh. Maybe it's the big savanna that kept them from developing technology. If you took an ultralight through the thing and started flying toward mountains or more rugged terrain, that may be where you find the blissness that actually smelt the bronze and everything. Because we, we've already established that, for one, there are alternates on other worlds of different things. Like, for example, there are different types of tamalerns. You know, they're not just the T-primers. You can run into other ones as well. Um, but, you know, these blissness that we're writing up, I mean, of course, there's going to be variants to it. There'll be blissness who current 2010 technology. I would not know what the culture would look like, though, because it's these they're herd animals. And herd animals behave differently than us smart monkeys, and they would behave different than predators. <laughs> they probably have this big, long treadmills, and they're all getting on there, and they're moving on them in synchronized motion and producing perfect sine DC generators power. They're all synced up with each other. Talking about how these guys are good at diplomacy, just, just naturally good at it because of their calming effect and everything, you might want to give them all the edge level-headed. Unfortunately, level-headed in Savage Worlds, this is game stuff, just means they get two cards instead of one and get to use the best of two cards. I know that. That wouldn't be a bad thing for them to have. Yeah. Considering that they're not combat, then any other option that they could choose, they could use a little help on getting the successes. Right. In other words, go for cover. If they're more likely to win initiative, that would keep them alive longer. So at least, you know, the player's getting something. It's like, yeah, you know what? I may not be great at attacking, but I get to go first a lot, which gets me out of the way of bullets. Right. Or I'm trying to hide, and therefore I get to make two checks. And 
and therefore I'm more successful. And the reason I'm better at it is because I'm not just standing there shaking in fear. Because I can calm myself as well, I'm able to just do what I need to do and focus on what I need to focus on. See, we keep talking about this calming effect as if it's kind of a stoning kind of thing, <laughs> which is a turning away from the outside environment is the way most people think of it. I don't think that's necessarily true. It's more like what people think that Ritalin does, where they can focus better. As Trav said, they can work longer. They don't complain as much because all this keeps them together, keeps them focused on the tasks they're doing. That's a completely different point of view than the calming effect of a narcotic effect of, of being stoned. The, if you ever watch Farscape, it's the race that made the peacekeepers. They had the exact same effect. They had this calming effect. The Eidolons, yes, the Eidolons. Richard said that they never forget, which means they have incredible memories. They have huge oral histories, and they could learn all sorts of documentation, and they would be taken along in order to get a true view of what happened in a situation, sort of like Heinlein's fair witnesses. So I can see them right now going, So, why do I got to wear the fake elephant ears? God. <laughs> Shut up and chew your grass. <laughs> and why are you painting me gray instead of my natural brown? <laughs> Is that their natural color? I didn't see that. Hey, they could paint them like pandas. Do they have a particular color, Richard? Well, we figured kind of brown. Okay. Matches Savannah, but uh, yeah, you could paint them. The picture in the D20 version, the blizzards are brown. Standing on green grass. Well, that's the summertime. Depends on yeah. the season. Yeah, it's spring. Yeah, whatever. The wet season. Right. John, get with the program. They're blended during the dry times when they're more of a target. Yeah. <laughs> when the other animals are more hungry. No, you're sitting there saying it's like, yeah, you could paint them. No, you could paint them. You think <laughs> I'm going to come after a five foot tall, or was it? Five foot high, six foot long. Six-foot-long elephant with a paintbrush? It's going to look at me and use his calming feel and go, you don't want to do that. No, he's going to say, hey, let's both do that. Oh, God. <laughs> Let me paint you, too. That's man. right. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going back to the stoner. Everything thing. is done together. And that's why, again, me as an I-date age, I'd be running away yelling, above my pay grade, above my pay grade. You know, I could play one of these as a second character. <laughs> Yeah, the cyberpunk street samurai with his partner. Hey, dude. <laughs> the painted elephant. Well, okay, let, let me make the challenge then. You know, why don't you guys all make up your own Blizzness PC, and we'll post them on the site. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the Facebook page. That too. We could do that for fun. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. So I noticed that all their names start with O, so there's no differentiation between male and female. You got Obafami... Alu Gabata, Alu Yemi. We always end with a, a vowel, too. Yeah, and they all have sort of an African tribal type sound, so. Onitheri, Awa Duni. Give me money. <laughs> oh, what a goose I am, me. You're reaching there, John. They could also be Irish, you know. O'Malley. Oh, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, Brady. <laughs> Oh, Harley, yeah. Hey, you're not a business. Your name's O'Malley. I thought you were one of us. <laughs> well, no, it's funny because they call humanity funny-looking blizzness. Yeah, you. What's your last name? O'Malley? Oh, brother. <laughs> All right, so, hey, I got a question for you. Humans are actually a version of Tremelin. Yeah. So are blizzness the same? Are they a version of Tremelin as well? Probably not. Well, no, they are in the sense that it is Earth that is the Tamelaran world, and they are the dominant species on that planet, so therefore they are brothers of the Tamelaran. The Tamelaran didn't tinker with everybody's genes. And why are they uh, able to go through the portals? Yeah, they're all universally fringeworthy. I'm sorry, a race that's universally fringeworthy, I'm sorry. Personally, I would think that there was some tinkering going on. They were that way for a reason, yet they only have one portal on their world. Something's up. This is just my opinion. I'm not going against canon or anything. Either that or they just, the Tamelorn, when they set up the Fringeworthy filter, 
uh, had run into the blizzness before and said, hey, we're just going to put that genome into the filter and it's okay. Yeah, maybe they figured there would be another weapon against the Meller somehow. No, it could just be that they figured that these guys wouldn't be engaging in warring across the fringe paths, so they didn't have to filter them out. Oh, okay. Oh my God, they throw slurks. <laughs> <laughs> Can two or more Blizzness take down a Meller? Make him go, I don't want to fight you anymore. I don't think you can use diplomacy against something like a Meller when it's in combat. Well, in D20s, it's diplomacy, but originally it was just a calming field. It still is. They use the calming field. The Meller don't notice them. Ooh. Well, no, because remember, Meller, always hungry, always looking for the next meal. I'm sorry, that's a big brain. That's a lot of good eating. John, it's quite possible that they are the one thing that creeped the Meller out. Maybe that calming feels like, yeah, I'm not going to eat that. It's like me, somebody giving me a spider. It's like, here, eat this. It's also possible that, and this is totally off canon, but the calming effect could be such that it would automatically reveal a Mellor for what it was. They would just couldn't maintain their concentration in their new form, and they would just revert back to Mellor. That's very good, Bruce. Yeah. And that would creep the Mellor out big time. You're right. If we're going with that, then we need to give them that ability in the book. But it also means they didn't have a Meller watching over them then. An old Meller. Because it would work on them too. It would make them, you know, revert back to the natural form. Well, maybe the old Meller didn't have to. Yeah. They wouldn't have the complete requirements to become part of the Commonwealth because they have no world government. Unless they do, Richard. I mean, they, you say they don't understand government. At the same time, they certainly would be of a level that would be appropriate for being stewarded by the Commonwealth. Or just maybe that they just decide they weren't interested in the, the blizzness and just left them alone. These are the blizzness we've discovered. Right. There may be an entire section of the pathways. It's the blizzness corridor. For the next 200 platforms, it's blizzness, nothing but blizzness, 24 hours a day. And they may have a totally different culture. These may be archaic blizzness, and the blizzness you run on that other section, they may be totally different. You know, they may still have some of the same abilities, like the calming field, but they may have other, other capabilities as well. But since we don't know that, John, the question was, would there have been an old Meller on this world? It's possible. If we take the postulation that the calming field makes it impossible for him to retain, to keep his shape, uh, keep a shape going, if he was here, he'd be here in his natural form then. Right. So, okay, we have an old, uh, not old Meller. And why not? Just that would make a good plot. The listeners that are part of the team say something, makes people think that maybe that's true, and then they have to go halfway across the continent looking for one. The old white man, the old, the old white thing, or whatever you want to call him, the old white monkey. <laughs> or the greenish ones. Right, but what about the other possibility, the fact that you've got a great Meller with his high Meller henchmen come walking through into this world before they put on the, uh, the anti-Meller defense. Comes this world, it tries to take the form of a blizzness, they can't do it. You think they're not going to feel like they have to eliminate these blizzness from all possibility and just start finding every animal out there and turning themselves into it and creating you know, absolute hordes of least meller and just steamrolling their way across you know, the savannah, killing every blizzness they get their heads on? That's why I'm thinking that maybe the meller just can't notice them. So they're invisible to the meller because of the calming effect. That would actually be an interesting thing to do. I think that would be more interesting than to say that they caused the Mellor to not be able to hold their form. Yeah, because could you imagine, you know, you're having a conversation with some guy and, and, and you tell him, you say, yeah, my friend here, you know, o O'Dally, uh, mm -hmm. he wants to know, you know, what you think of such and such. And the guy goes, who? What guy? No, the, the, big, the, the big gray, the big brown dude right here, the blizzness guy. What guy? <laughs> um that might, you know, might give them away a little bit. But no, I like that. Well, not only if you knew that. See, this is, again, one of those things, just like the ability to become fringeworthy by holding a crystal and manipulating a crystal, this is one of those things where if you don't know it, it never happens. 
No, I'm saying that would happen accidentally is what, what I'm saying. Right, but I'm saying, but you wouldn't make the connection to say, hey, that guy's a Meller because this blizzness, he can't see it. No, what I'm saying is you would know something was up. You'd know that he was being strangely affected by the Blizzard's calming field, but I'm not sure you'd make a connection as far as it being a Mallory or anything. Oh, no, no, no I mean, not right away. I'm, I was just saying that that would, be, that would just be a, a neat trapping. I think it would be, too. I, th- I think this, we're on to something here. I think this would be fun to do, to add this to their good traits, invisible to Meller. But That's a major trait, and I'm going to really have to balance that out with something bad to him. <laughs> what about the... Uh... Thing that you see occasionally on uh, in science fiction where they forget about them as soon as they look away instead of actually being invisible to them. Somebody else's problem? They just forget. It only works against the Meller. Something like that, I would almost want to say that's a na- that would be a natural thing they can use on anything. That's basically what it is. It's called psychic invisibility. And psychic invisibility, if, if it is toward the Meller, that definitely sounds like tinkering at that point. Some long kid and tinkered them. Except for the fact that the Meller are slightly telepathic. Yeah. So they might be just a synergy, an, an unexpected consequence. The Meller are different from people in that they're a construct. They're not an evolved creature. They were made. And then they were given some kind of weird virus that affects them. On top of that. On top of that. So this could just be a factor of that. I mean, and somehow that, that virus makes them ridiculously evil and, and always on the edge and this, maybe this calming effect you know just hits them just right it's a sort of a perfect storm it would be really weird if you put a miller right in the middle of a whole herd of blizzards and all of a sudden it reverted back to being an old miller <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's a wee bit too powerful lads we don't believe in nerfing the miller yeah <laughs> But the thing is, though, it sounds good until you have a Meller who eats somebody who's, who knows a blizzness. Then does that blinding or invisibility work? Because he'll have memories of the blizzness. So what? They're still invisible. But now he's going to go, wait a second, who the heck's this? I didn't see this person. All right, something's going on here. And then he put his hands out. And he will fi- eventually find that blizzness. And if he does, so what? It's still an invisible blizzness. This animal feels like a snake. This animal feels like a wall. <laughs> that's when the claws come out and he starts ripping into where he just touched. And that's when a lot of rocks come out and kills him. Yeah. Yeah, right. Try attacking somebody who's invisible, okay? It doesn't work very well. So uh, Great Miller and his henchmen come through. They don't see the blizzness, but they see all the other critters. It's still the apocalypse. They still wipe out everything on this planet, including the blizzards, because they'll, t- they'll eat everything. And when I say everything, they'll eat everything. That includes the trees and the grass. Mellor can eat plant matter, too? Oh, sure. Yeah. They can eat anything. Oh, God, they can totally denude a planet, then. Yes. And that's the problem. Okay, they're invisible. So they can sit back and watch the Mellor denude their world. Okay, I'm going to make a correction on this. Mellor do not eat trees and plants. They eat live things. They eat things with nervous systems, mostly. Okay, things with nervous systems. If you say live things, Richard, trees are alive. No, trees are alive, but really have nervous systems. So they eat animals, basically. Basically, they eat animals. Yeah. It's the invisibility. That's the problem. So I, I, I hate to say that. I, would, I, I can't see it, but not causing problems. Nerfing the Mellor to the point where, oh, so if it, when they fight figure out, can't see Blizzness, we see the first all Blizzness team. So in other words, what you're saying, John, is if there's any Mellor on this world, it's an old Mellor. Yeah. No infected Mellor have ever come on to this world. Yeah. I mean, if, if infected Mellor came on this world, this, the Blizzness would have sat back and just watched them devour everything else on the planet. They have rocks. They have rocks. They have rocks. Rocks are ready to work well against Mellor. Mellor regenerate, and they have damage reduction. Yeah. It would take a lot of rocks, and if they had even a relatively small number of Mellor, any tribe of, of Blizzness would be overwhelmed. Yeah. Big right. feet. If you got 200 least Mellor, those big feet are just chew toys. That's probably why the Tremellor cut the pathways off to the Mellor, and it's very, very hard for least Mellor, that kind of thing, to get through. <laughs> So I'd say this world, if it, it may have an old Miller, but it probably never saw anything from the invasion. It was, it was one of those worlds that was saved from the invasion. 
Hey, yeah. you could say that they were rescued from an invasion once in the past that by uh, bipeds, and that's why they were so happy when bipeds came back. The Cortez effect. It's Montezuma. So if there were Malor on this world, then they were eradicated by other fringe-enabled races, possibly bipedal ones. Tell the listeners they weren't ready to travel. Or they were warriors, and they didn't want to be saddled with a bunch of intelligent kumbaya elephants. Yeah. Or Schmerz simply turned the portal on ahead of the fringe-worthy. There's that, too. <laughs> or at least dropped the crystal writing down to the point where they can open it up. But it also could be that at one time there were warrior blizzards on this world, and they did their very best to to, to destroy the, the the Miller, but it was so horrified the rest, they all became pacifists. And a fire heart and a nice spear. They're Vulcans now. Boy, John, either that or all the ones that were brave were killed. Yeah. They were genetically filtered for their pacifism. Right. Everyone who doesn't leave gets to breed again. Everyone who doesn't die gets to breed again. Well, that's what I mean. All those that left died. Yeah, exactly. Anything else in the business? They really like circuses. Yeah. Would they? Or would they want to free their enslaved brethren? Depends on what they talk to them about. What happens when the elephants don't talk back? Are we sure they're not? I'm assuming that elephants, though they might be very smart, are not intelligent animals. We're not sapient. Yeah, not sapient. Elephants are very good at being elephants. Dogs are very good at being dogs. Yeah. Hey, would Blizzness buy elephants and take them home? Well, they could. Because since they're universally fringeworthy, they could t bring the elephants through the portals with them. Yeah. Which would also be an indicator that they're not sapient. That's true. It would be a good test. Are dolphins intelligent? Well, yeah, we, we'll try to take them through a portal. If it doesn't go through, he's intelligent. He's sapient. It'd be a major change. But that's a topic for later. That's another topic from their show. So we see that there are many aspects of the Blizzness that we hadn't thought about. And thank you very much, Richard, for enlightening us and letting us know about the history of the Blizzness and its introduction into the game. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker. You best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts. Cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.